What radio, the music you want. With your host, he's Dan. Oh, I'm a failure because I haven't got a brain. RadioWhat.com What would you do with a brain if you had one? What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time, DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote, and maybe you can have me at your next event. You know I like to party with the people. The people need to be entertained. Are you not entertained? Let me entertain you. Today on the program, uh, the subject matter, maybe a little uh, a little more serious than usual. I have Andy Berger with the Voices Against Trafficking. She's based out of Oregon, but she's worldwide. Okay, there's a toll-free number worldwide. Voicesagainsttrafficking.com. I'll say that up at the top. If you want to go there and peruse while you're listening to the conversation that we're about to have, Um, I'm looking forward to hearing more about Andy Berger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This week's shows. Let's see. I have one public show, uh, my usual video dance party karaoke jam on Friday night at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Yeah. Good times. It's a little concert starring each and every one of you. Karaoke. I said it. They got a full bar, the kitchen's open, pool tables, pool tournament. If you want to try your hand at playing pool and possibly make some money, head on out to the Rab in Conway, Arkansas on Friday night. Good times. Good good people. It's a, a it's always a good time at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Friday night. I'll be there from 8 p.m. until 12:30 in the AM playing the music and really pushing buttons for you. So if you want to sing a song, if you never thought you could sing karaoke. I encourage you to check out the Rab. Come on out and play with us. 8 p.m. I'll be there. I know they open around 4. So if you want to get there early and, and try some food, it's delicious food, I'll tell you. All right, let's get into it with Andy Berger with the Voices Against Trafficking. I got her on Skype. So if you're listening to the audio version of this, I encourage you to check out my video version on the YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Keys Dan. Skyping Andy Berger. Now. Hey, look at that. There's an Andy Burger on my screen. What's up? Hey, I'm doing fantabulous, Dan. How are you, bud? Oh, I like the word fantabulous. I have used it before. I'm not even sure if it's a real word. I'm not sure if it's in the vernacular. Is it in the Funk and Wagnall? Is it in the Webster? Is it in Defined? What is fantabulous to you? It's in the Andy. (laughs) It's in the Andy. It's fantastic and fabulous combined. I've been using it for decades because, I mean, really, there just isn't a word to describe it otherwise, right? I could feel it. Coming in the Andy tonight. All right. Fantastic. I don't know, because you're think I'm thinking about the eighties. I'm thinking about when when I grew up, when I'm when I came of age, when I was in high school doing my thing. And I, I remember using Fantabulous back then and and uh you know the happenings. I I think a happening was maybe in the seventies, uh brainchild. Uh, you know, of course, the like for sure, gag me with a spoon, all that kind of <laughs> vernacular, all that words, words. What are words? But, uh, you know, Andy Berger, we're here to talk about you. We're not here to talk about words. We're going to use words to talk about what you got to talk about. Now, I know that it's going to be ah, warning, you know, might be a, a subject matter that might be a little a little tough, a little rough. But um, give the people an idea of who an Andy Berger is. What is an Andy Berger? <laughs> well, Andy Berger started out as a natural redhead wee little child. But before uh, there ever was a term called human trafficking, Dan, I was actually trafficked by all uh, immediate family members and a few uh, extended family members from the age of six months until 17 years old, back in the early 60s. So they weren't even talking about child abuse or any of that kind of stuff back then. And that's how I started out my life. 
And by the age of five, I was ready to end my life. And my first attempt at suicide was five years old. So I went to the curb of my house and I thought, you know what? Uh, the pain, the torture, the, the t you know, touching all the things that go into sexual violation, physical abuse, mental, emotional. Um, I had my birth mother made it clear that she could take my life anytime she wanted to. And she had tried a couple of times by then. So I just decided I'd jump out in front of a car and, and end it because being dead, at least I'd be at peace. And, you know, my little five-year-old brain was like, nobody can get you if you're six feet under, right? <laughs> so... I went to the curb and I waited and waited and no car came by that day, amazingly, you know, down our busy street. And while guy and I looked up into that blue sky and I thought, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, how how big is it? How far does it go? Did somebody make it? And, and is that somebody bigger than the people who are hurting me? Because I felt like no one could hear the cries or screams, you know, from inside that house. And on the outside, we had to look perfect and act perfect. And I don't know how many kids out there at that age are perfect, <laughs> but I definitely wasn't one of them. And so anyway, uh, the great news is, is that in that moment, I heard this voice in my heart that said, this is not the plan I have for you. Suicide is not the answer. And that voice has been the, I guess, the pivot of all I've done in my life. Uh, and in my life, Dan, that was God. In other people's lives, it could be something else. But I went back up to the garage and I said, if you keep me alive, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Which at that time, for a five-year-old, I didn't really understand the term calling, but that's exactly what it turned out to be. And I did try a few more times. I was locked up for three months. I had all these things that were happening in those in-between years. Uh, but when I was 17, that was the last time my birth mother tried to take my life by choking me to death. Well, Andy Berger, you've said a lot of things. You've uh, approached a, a harsh subject. I mean, a hard subject for a lot to hear. But uh, serendipity, I was looking for a, a video for the for the background of our video version, and I chose clouds. And here... The clouds, the sky, the expanse is what saved you looking out and seeing that there was so much more than what was inside that house. What was going on with that five year old, with that little, little, little girl, that little redheaded girl, that beautiful Absolutely. little redheaded girl was getting abused. Now, from what I remember, all right, and growing up in the 70s and maybe even growing up in the 60s, we were raised by, OK, I, I don't know if you'd consider yourself a boomer or maybe the next generation after that but we were raised by people that were of the greatest generation the the people that that fought the wars that uh you know had the ups and the downs and and lived through it and i think children even back then children have always been a commodity have been uh to be seen not heard uh, a child isn't anything you are nothing uh to a lot of people until you are 18 and doing a job and becoming a, a, a part of society until then you are property. You don't, you, you don't deserve yes. any rights at all. And this is how, how, you know, I don't know if I, I think I had a great mama. I, she did what she could. She was a single mom, but uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I was abused uh, even though I, we got left alone. My brother and I, and my uh, stepsister got left alone a lot, but we were never beaten or abused. Maybe the, the spank on the bottom, uh, as needed and uh, I don't know spare the rod I, I know that you're you found religion you know in, in that looking up at the sky you found a, a higher calling a higher being that uh, helped you to to get through all the hardships that you were on I mean I, I couldn't imagine going through what I mean, and you can go in as much detail I'm not sure what what the extent of the trafficking was for a five-year-old were you uh, you know what was the extent of the abuse were you being beaten or passed around? Uh, I, I'm, I don't know how far you want to go. This part. Um, so you're right. Absolutely. Children, even then, were commodities. Like you said, you're, you wanted to have children because that's what the culture was. You know, so people had kids. And then some people weren't prepared to have children. But, you know, that hasn't stopped humanity uh, in since it began. So um, as far as, you know, physical, emotional, mental, I was told I was stupid, that I was an accident that couldn't be returned. These things would be said publicly. So imagine being a kid and, and being scorned. And yet my birth brother was held up 
as the prince in the family, at least for my birth mother, who had a very unnatural attraction to him because my birth father was more uh, interested in secretaries and other things. So it was just perversity. See, a lot of people think, well, you know, it's all about greed. Well, it is true. We hear all about that. We know the cartels are making millions every week off of trafficking, but there's also depraved nature. And so trafficking is really fueled by either perversion or greed. And most of the times it's a combination of both. In those days, if my birth parents had known they could have sold us or made money off of us, I'm sure they would have. But when it, uh, in Andy's version or Andy's definition, when not just when you take someone against their will or coerce them into sexual slavery or, or labor slavery or debt, you know, repayment, but if an adult transports a child to another family member or a piano teacher where the husband is there and you don't really know what goes on, you know, then you but but if you if they do know, then they are transporting a child to be touched, to be abused, to be, you know, uh, assaulted or violated. OK, and no one will listen to a child. And especially, Dan, with familial trafficking family members, you do not have any rights at all as that victim because the bloodline covers them. Oh, it's just just a misunderstanding. Oh, it'll it'll solve itself, you know, through the family system. And I cannot tell you how many victims I've worked with where happened and the generation that happens to tells the next generation, well, we survived it, so you will, right? As if it's okay. And so it's not okay, and it's not the victim's fault. They're just simply trapped. Even when I tried to reach out at 17. I was told, uh, I snuck away, got, got to a phone and called one of the numbers I found at that time in the phone book, for those who remember that. And uh, they said, well, yeah, we'd love to help you bring your parents with you because you're a minor. Okay, so even then, you know, I couldn't get help. So, so all of that abuse, and we know now that babies are trafficked and violated. We know kids as young as three, their organs are being sold. And I know this is horrifically terrifying to people listening, but, but I also bring hope because six decades later, even after all of that, even after having a major speech impediment through college, when I was laughed at and spat at and, you know, just continued the the whole you're stupid, you're not worth anything uh, mentality and comments. I still chose to move forward each day. I figured if I lived, I won. And if I died, then the evil people won. And so I didn't want to have my life mean nothing. I really wanted to help others who had gone through it. I just didn't know how. And I didn't have the counseling and stuff that I got later on to help me figure out who Andy really was. Andy Berger, you are a wonderful speaker now, whether you had a speech impediment or not. And you're using your voice to well, to, to help others. Uh, you know, I, I listened to a story today. I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. And one, one of the stories, I, I listened to some true crime podcasts, which can be, you know, uh, a little disheartening, especially if they're poking fun at, at at uh, the the horrors that um, that mankind can do, uh, and one of them was a, a Chinese uh, gentleman had O negative blood, which is very uh, a very popular. I guess it's a universal blood. So he got sold uh, to uh, some Vietnamese people, which uh, for eighteen thousand dollars, which in turn sold him to some Cambodian people, and he was just being passed around for his blood. I know that he, human trafficking. There's a it's it's a broad thing. It's not just children. It's not just females. It can be some males as well. Uh, And and for various reasons could be sexual. It could be for your organs, for your parts, for your your human parts. Uh, There's there's so many reasons that people get trafficked. Now, the the voices against trafficking uh, voices against trafficking dot com. I know that I've looked at that website. My goodness, it looks like you've done the work. You've been around the block quite a few times passing this message along. And, and you, you know, you have places to make donations, but you've, you know, you have a magazine. You have, uh, you've been to countless. Are you a a public speaker of sorts? I guess you go and speak at different events. I mean, tell me about, tell me about, well, what's on the website? You got the the voices of trafficking. It's a great place to go. It's a great resource to find out everything that is you, what you've put your whole heart into since uh, you were 17. And I guess you got out of the house and you said, I'm out of here. I'm going to go do something else. I mean, from okay, before we talk about the, the website from 17, were you able to to escape 
uh, or when did you escape and did you uh, get to how did you start your life as an adult? That's a great question. Yeah. Thanks for asking that because uh, it's not always, first of all, in, in general numbers, one out of every hundred uh, trafficked persons, whether they're boys, girls, uh, males, females, uh, is really the average of survival. But for for me and that family unit, uh, my birthday was in June, so I went to college. I was able to go to college because the image, of course, had to be kept up. So once I got to college, all of a sudden, I'm in a dorm. I'm, I'm watching how other kids were raised. Other college students were like, wow, you know, some were partiers, some let loose, some didn't. And, and I started realizing that other people had a different way of growing up. They had different family units. They had different uh, stories. And I was just overwhelmed. And so my my coping mechanism made me very driven. And I wanted to make sure no one got too close to me emotionally, because I thought if they find out what really happened in my life, they may think that I deserved it or that I did something wrong because I didn't know. I was mentally ahead, but emotionally very behind. So I graduated in three years, went to work after that, and then decided, uh, why don't I just take a stab at law school? One of my writing professors had said, Andy, go to law school. It'll change how you write. You're so creative. It'll really hone your skills. And I thought that was odd, but I thought, well, that makes sense. Maybe I can go save kids that were like me. So I went to law school. I finished. But before I finished, I realized that it wasn't about justice for those children. It was about power, money, who, who could persuade whom and the judges still sent kids back to abusive parents because they believed even at that time in the 80s all kids belong with the mother or the father even if they were abusive and so I, I just felt like I didn't want to be part of that system so I went back to business and I thought I'll take my law degree I'll go to business I'll stand out a little bit more than all the MBAers at that time and maybe I can be successful enough on my own and then be able to help more kids. And that's kind of where the seed began. And I always did work with young kids and teenagers, but I had my own work to do, Dan. I had to go to counseling. And that happened uh, when I unfortunately married my ex-husband after finishing law school. And he basically had sexually deviant propensities, let's just say. And so I, here I was in a marriage and I'm like, wow, none of this is working out the way I thought it would. And got divorced. And then that's when my life really started to take, uh, take shape, I would say, for what I'm doing now. A couple of years later, I met the most amazing human I've ever known in my life, my husband of 23 years, Ed. Yep. Yep. And he really set up what we have built everything I've done in the last 20 years on because he, I remember him saying, because it took him two whole weeks to propose to me. I just want to know it took a while, but you know, we got, we got the proposal. <laughs> I said yes in week three and you know, a few weeks later we were engaged, but he said, Andy, I don't, I don't know everything that happened to you. I don't maybe understand everything, but I'll promise you this. I will never leave you and I will always listen. And isn't that what most people need, Dan, in life is someone that will truly listen, not just hear them, but listen to what's going on. How many kids try to tell their parents or a teacher that something is going on and we, we poo-poo it or, as you said, we just treat them like chattel. We don't listen to them. But even as adults, a lot of times victims who do survive they don't get listened to either. They, they have people tell them what they should do or what they shouldn't be doing, how they should act and, you know, just pray about it or just get over it. And, and that just doesn't work. So anyway, um, fast forward then, Ed and I decided that in 2008 that we needed to do something for the kids in our area of Central Oregon where I live that were on the street. I had had a massive brain injury. I couldn't continue my corporate training career. I had lost a year of memory, but the one thing I do remember about that year is seeing four young girls, maybe 17 at best, possibly 18, who had just had newborn babies, and they were living in their cars on the street. This is wrong. Somebody has got to help these teenagers, so what can we do? And then that birthed Beulah's Place, which was our shelter system. And over 14 years, we rescued 300 plus at-risk homeless teens off the street, sent 12 to college. 
And then uh, three years ago, Ed and I officially adopted one of the girls we rescued 10 years ago who said, I want to have a family. Would you adopt me? So how cool is that? <laughs> Very cool. Andy Berger, first of all, congratulations. One of the tenants or the tenants of the, the Constitution is life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. You not only pursued it, you gained that happiness. Go, Ed. Good job. Finally, finding uh, that love. I mean, that that's pretty much all we need is somebody who can we who we can uh, connect with and will listen to us. You, you're using your voice. You're, you know, you have your voices and they just want to be heard. And, and you're um, you did mention that you went to college. A lot of kids are saying are thinking they don't have to go to college. Uh, there's a great resource called the interweb, the Internet that has all the information out there. And one of the things that you that you gained is one of the most important things when you get in college is connecting with other human beings and getting more ideas from people. This is way before the internet. Now maybe the internet has, has taken that away as well, but the people on the internet, uh, anybody that's, that's watching on the internet, this is not, this is not real life. This is us as made up as possible. Look, this is as pretty as I get. If you're watching the, the video version of this, you know, uh, people, uh, show their best side on the internet. What you want to do when you go to college is connect with people. You found out how people grow up. They don't get abused. They don't have to uh, be scared every day of their life, hiding in their closet, eating, you know, eating their, their morsels of food, hoping that, that nobody takes them away from their family. Now, you, you also said that people belong with their family. It's in movies. It's in pop culture. If you watch movies, whenever a kid does something wrong, the first thing the cop's going to do is say, all right, buddy, I'm taking you home to your mom and dad. I'm calling your mom and dad. But no, they were the problem in this instance. That, that, was, yeah. th- that was the problem. I mean, did you, ever, uh, did you ever make peace with your mother and father? Who, who was doing the abusing uh, I don't I don't remember exactly who was doing the abusing. Did you ever make peace sure. with your family? Well, I first made peace with myself because a lot of people uh, don't understand that forgiveness is key to your own healing. And by letting go of that, it's like unclenching a fist that you're open to receive things. So the first thing uh, I tried to make peace until I was about 35 years old. And at some point I finally I wrote my birth mother a letter saying, you know what? I hear you're spreading lies about me. And if you want to have an honest relationship, great. But word had gotten back to me about all kinds of like horrific tales, like I was on drugs and doing all these things. And she had a secret life, a secret uh, story about me and my birth brother that she told to other people because she was a teacher. And so she put on this facade. Anyway, um, basically, that was the last time I heard from her. And honestly, uh, she finally passed three years ago at 91. So my primary predator in life took 91 years to pass from this life. And I'm telling you, when I got that call, I was not unhappy. I finally felt relieved, as most victims do, if their predator is in jail for life or their predator or predators are dead. So after that, uh, my birth mother had passed before her and I had one opportunity to see him. And there is this shell of a, of a human being in the hospital bed and I basically, he couldn't talk. So I basically just said, you know, I forgive you uh, for what you did. You're gonna live or die. And that was the last time I saw him. And so I felt like I had done my part, one to honor God, one to honor my own self saying, I did the best I could and and I could live more freely because I let go of all of that. When we carry that kind of garbage around, as you know, Dan, just, you know, in, in life in general, we don't have room for the good things or to receive better things than we're used to because we're still holding on to bitterness and anger and hatred. And it's all understandable. I mean, I really, when I was younger, wanted to kill both of them. I did. I didn't know anything about how to get a gun, but I had dreams of just flat out killing both of them. And people would be like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're not in that situation. So you cannot understand what it means to live in an environment like that and to be trapped and controlled. So when I'm ready to jump out window, when I'm trying to slash my wrist, when I'm trying to jump in front of a car, those are desperate, desperate actions of a child that just needs to be saved or rescued. So anyway, and then all of that, of course, as you mentioned, brought us to Voices Against Trafficking. Um, pandemic kind of killed our funding for our shelter services. So, um, but you know, when one door closes, another opens. So would you like me to tell you about that? 
yeah, you know, I, I do, you know, want to say that only the good die young. So, uh, you know, not try not to speak too ill of the dead. I'm, I'm glad, you know, the older we get, the less we care about things, the, the, the more we find that things don't matter so much. Ed, your man, your relationship matters that the people around you that that support you matter it those things that that are against you you know the haters if you will they don't matter you know i've never met a hater that's doing better than me so uh i'm i'm glad you you figured out that that the uh the important things in life you know the the things that are close to you but yes I, i know that on your website there are several ways uh to to help uh, to sponsor uh, there's many different memberships there's even uh, music that you can buy on the website there's pl- there's there's so much to do yes please andy berger <laughs> tell me about the voices against trafficking Dot com. Awesome. I would love to. So voicesagainsttrafficking.com. First of all, for those of you who are wondering, well, what can I do? There are helplines and hotlines on a tab. If you go to that tab, whether it's suicide awareness, uh, suspected human trafficking, child abuse, you know, help. There are neutral, uh, safe numbers that you and any age appropriate child, student, college age person can put in your phones right this second. And when you have them in your phone, you're prepared. If you see something, you can say something without feeling awkward or like, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but they are trained on those hotlines and helplines to help you figure out in your area, wherever you are. Uh, So in the U S those helplines and hotlines are there for you. One of the things, Dan, that we wanted to do first, we figured out that, Hey, people have different learning uh, ways to learn. And so we started with books. So my first book, Fragile Thread of Hope, which is on Amazon.com, is a little bit more about my story and four of the kids that we rescued off the street and why they were running to the street thinking it would be safer than what they were experiencing at home and then what happened to them. And then my, my now daughter being one of those. The second book, Voices Against Trafficking, The Strength of Many Voices Speaking as One, is a compilation of different people involved in either anti-trafficking, getting the message out, media, maybe the aha moments in the travel industry and from people that never thought it existed until one moment. So it's a bunch of different chapters that you can use as a conversation opener. Maybe you're like, I don't really understand human trafficking. I don't know how to talk about it. If you're a principal, a health, you know, I'm not a big reader, but I could take five or six pages. I could read a chapter or two here and there. That's a great book. In fact, our our next book, our second edition of that is going to be published by Morgan James Publishing at the end of 2024. So we're excited for that. And then, of course, you know, so that's the reading part. And I had I had the mishap of tripping over a puppy gate in September of 20, let's see, we're in four, so 2022. And I was immobile for about four months. And in that time, the idea for Voices of Courage, the magazine came to me. And my publisher friend. So we said, hey, let's celebrate the everyday voices out there working for human rights, all human rights, not just anti-trafficking, but but the uh, uh, giving value and worth back to every human being. And let's celebrate the ones that may never, ever get into the public purview. Or maybe we bring forth stories that people really need to hear, like, wow, could that really happen in the U.S.? You mean the U.S. was involved or the educational system or whatever it is? So we want to bring truth, but we also want to bring hope, like in my life. So in my life, if God can conquer the evil in my life, I think he can conquer evil anywhere. In other people's lives, you know, whatever it is, we want to bring the hope and we want to give tools. So each magazine, we just brought our second uh, volume out. It's on our website. Uh, and it's got phenomenal stories of hope and inspiration, but again, also truth about some of the issues. So there's a magazine now that's kind of a coffee table magazine for people that maybe don't want to do a book. And so we've got that. And then, as you mentioned, we have coming out, uh, being released later this month, uh, the Broken Treasures CD. So for dinosaurs out there like me, we call it a CD, but we do actually have a CD in a jewel case. But then there's also the flash drive version for you techno people. And then we have the digital version. Uh, we're just polishing up. We had kind of a, a late entry that we really want on there. But all of this, we have 
uh, a multi-platinum selling Grammy Award nominated record producer who has put this together, donated his time with another producer. And so the artists and people on this uh, this music compilation uh, have messages and songs that are top notch that you would hear worldwide and be like, wow, you may know some of them already. But the messaging is all about treasuring life, treasuring human beings, every life is a treasure that a lot of us have been broken or are still broken. So this is hope and inspiration as well as bringing out the message in a musical way worldwide. We have uh, public service announcements in 35 languages, Dan. So we are going to hit as many countries as possible with the opportunity to enjoy this. So it's a fundraiser, just like the books in the magazine. And then what isn't on there yet will be our television show, also called Voices of Courage. So we're going to celebrate those heroes, celebrate people doing the work, uh, hopefully by the end of 2024. So we are very grateful as a 501c3 that people support us. And we wanted to bring music. We wanted to bring books, magazines, uh, TV show. And eventually uh, we're even going to have a comedy CD because people need to laugh more. They need to have those endorphins that are, you know, they need to laugh and, and, and get rid of some of the stress in their life. So everything is family friendly and clean. So we're looking forward to bringing that out hopefully by summer. You better believe it. My goodness. I want to drive all the traffic to your anti-trafficking website. Uh, now you mentioned the books. I'm, I'm not a reader. I'm not much of a reader. I used to read a whole lot. But now I drive a lot and I listen to podcasts and I listen to audiobooks. Is there an audio version read in your lovely voice, Andy Berger? <laughs> uh, that's sweet. We hope to do an audio version. We are trying to raise funds. We also do some active rescues and those take a lot of money, several thousand dollars per rescue. So, but we are definitely looking into that. Hopefully by summer, we would love to have audio versions. We have like truckers against trafficking. We have folks like you that like to listen. My husband is very audio. He'd rather listen than read as well. Not because he can't. I'm not a huge reader after going through law school. You know, I read so much. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> I have read books. <laughs> well, you have but, to be a reader. Uh, so yes, we're looking forward to that. Okay. Are, are you still practicing law, Andy Berger? No, I, I am a recovering lawyer for the past 30 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. All right. But it's nice that you have that in your back pocket. You have uh, an extent, extensive uh, knowledge of the law. Now, in your magazine, very exciting. Yes, uh, I was a, uh, a Reader's Digest uh, kind of a person uh, growing up as well, reading the the the, uh, the the cliff notes, and I'm guessing that the magazine is kind of a cliff note to your uh, voices against trafficking. Who are the people that are that are contributing articles that that are being read there? Is it all you, or do you have a team, or you have people, or or is there a way that people can contribute? their stories that could be compiled and put into that magazine. Absolutely. We're working on a form, but until then people can directly uh, email us at voices against trafficking.com. Please don't put anything gritty or graphic in there. Just kind of give us the basic, you know, like four or five sentences uh, because I have PTSD. A lot of the people that work with us, we don't want to reactivate people's uh, trauma, but we are welcoming that. Uh, they actually are reaching out to us saying, Hey, there's a story, for example, one that's, coming up in our next issue for spring next year is about a family who literally lost all seven biological children systematically from uh, in, from foster care into a trafficking ring, and that just has to be told. And they still are fighting to find their children after seven or eight years. So that's a story that came to us. People heard me speak somewhere. And to your previous question, yes, I speak publicly. I speak virtually. Uh, we have a group of members of Voices Against Trafficking on that website. Um, pretty much all of them will speak free virtually. And if, you know, in person, of course, there's a little bit of cost. But, but we want to talk to people. We want to train people. We have ways to train people and all kinds of things that in four minutes a day, in 21 days, you and your family can be safer, more aware of things. So we're offering a lot of that. 
But back to your point, um, yes, we definitely want to have stories. We bring stories in. I do write a lot of the feature interviews. Uh, someone will give me their story and I will write it for them because a lot of times they're uncomfortable trying to write. Uh, and that's how it comes about. So some of the interviews, yes, I do write those. But the stories come from all over the world, U.S., Mexico, Canada, beyond. And they are usually phenomenally impacting to people. I've had people just this week say, wow, this is cutting edge. I couldn't even read this one article all the way through because I'm so angry about what I found out, you know, and so it's in, it's invoking people to action, Dan. And that's what we want to do is inspire people to say, you know what? Enough. America should be the place where our children are safe, where our kids and where uh, girls, boys, men, women uh, can respect each other and profit or for for other things that are, are just horrifically unspeakable acts of, of abuse and depravity. So this is what we're trying to do is bring this as wide and as far so that no matter what your learning style is, you can get the message and then determine, are you going to be part of the solution and, and help? Or are you going to sit on the sidelines because people can do three things, Dan, they can do good, they can do evil or they can do nothing. And two of them are not productive to community or humanity. Andy Berger, you mentioned that um, you're using therapy to help you cope, to help mitigate the, some of the, <laughs> the, the horrific things that you, that you went through in your life. Now, uh, actors can be the, some of the most sensitive people. Uh, they call upon their personal instances when they do dramas, when they have to uh, come up with a, uh, and uh, oh, I have a, a crying scene. I have a, a very dramatic scene. So I'm going to think about uh, a, a, a tragedy that happened in my own life to call upon. Now, you going around telling the same your story, the story of your life. I'm glad you have therapy to help you cope with it. And, you know, but uh, you, you were talking about people sending in their articles for the magazine and not to be too graphic because it could trigger uh, some uh, emotions in some people. How do you, how do you get through? Is it strictly the therapy? Are you still in therapy? How do you get through telling your story time and time again, knowing that it's going to help somebody? Somebody is going to think there's going to be somebody out there that thinks that they're all alone. Uh, oh, this only happens to me. Yes. I'm going through this, especially a child who doesn't know any better. Uh, all they know, hey, hey, uh, Oh, everybody says this. Everybody, the only people you know is your mom and dad. That's it. That, that's all you know. That's your only basis, especially if you're, you don't even have a, a, you know, a school life. Maybe you're homeschooled. I'm not saying that homeschool is bad. I'm saying home, you know, homeschool could be great. My kid was homeschooled. Right. Wonderful. Uh, but, um, how do you get through telling the same story? Is, is it, you know, with the PTSD? Uh, does it, is it, do you do you go home every night and cry? Uh, not necessarily. What happens usually, and that's a very good question because people probably wonder, like, you know, especially after 300 kids with 300 different stories, some of which similar to mine, some not. You know, there are varying degrees. I tell people all pain is relative. So don't think because my story sounds worse that your pain isn't as as relative. Um, and, and of all, for anyone that was even assaulted, I mean, that's a huge things so you are not alone and it was not your fault you did not deserve anything like that okay so now that we have that out of the way yes uh, I didn't really come out until a couple years ago talking about my PTSD because I did I had three years of therapy between the the ex-husband and and getting my act together and realizing that I had value and worth and that I would have married him had I had that therapy before. And so, and then when Ed came along and we were starting to build our life, it, it was just kind of like, wow, this is a new normal. And I really had to work at it. I don't think I really fully released myself and trusted, not because of anything Ed did, but because my previous marriage had been eight years. And I think once I passed that mark, I realized, you know what? I can have a successful relationship. I am a partner. I'm a good partner. So all of that, all of those deposits, so to speak, into my 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 mind, my body, my soul, my my whole being. But uh, with the PTSD, I do what I call maintenance. I have someone who's just very, very good, and I'll just say, "Hey, Michael, I need to chat. You know, let's spend a couple hours, and and we'll do that maybe every two or three months." But again. 
once the shelter closed and suddenly I, all those stories and all those things that I had carried in my heart, but I didn't let out because I had to be strong for those kids, uh, they kind of weighed on me. And I realized one day that I don't know where I went. Like part of me is like over there somewhere, almost ethereal. And I realized that was probably the first indicator that I was having some severe PTSD. So I got some help, but I also am learning to self-nurture. What I didn't tell you before, one of the reasons uh, about starting this shelter is that was the fourth of 10 traumatic brain injuries that I've had. And so between the brain injuries, celiac-induced liver failure, four autoimmune issues, and a bunch of other physical adversity things, I was struggling just to kind of manage and I was very good at coping, but I learned that it's okay to not feel okay every day. And that's how I deal with when I speak my story. I know the end goal is to make sure someone out there is going to feel better, get help or in some way be better because they connect with my story and they won't feel alone even if they don't know me or don't talk to me, that they'll feel like, oh, well, if she could do it, I could probably do it. And that's really what it is because I can't stop doing what I'm doing. It would be great to take a, you know, three-month vacation. (laughs) But honestly, you know, I don't know what else I would do. I I cook okay. I'm not a great cook. So, you know, that's not going to happen. I don't sew. I'm I'm not one of those people that's artsy and craftsy, although I do like to paint. But again... Knowing that someone out there is still hurting really grates on me and I have to manage that and I have a support team, which is what we tried to uh, do for each of the kids, not just Ed and me, but hey, there's somebody at the auto shop. Not only will they help you with your car, but if you're ever stuck or in trouble, you run to that manager, he will he will know what to do or a lawyer that we had that would give them services if they needed at no cost, a bank that said, look. They're homeless. They can't open an account. But guess what? We're going to let them open a savings account using your shelter's address. Awesome. Because where else do do the kids put their money from McDonald's or wherever they're working? We had kids robbed because they carried their cash on their body. So we want to make sure that, um, especially for me, I know there are days where I'm, I'm more tired emotionally and mentally. And I know that I have to tell a few key people, I'm in a weird space today. So... I'm going to watch movies or I'm not going to do anything or I'm going to hug my puppy. I have an emotional support animal I'm proud of, right? (laughs) So that's how I deal with it. But like tonight, I know someone out there, if they're listening and they've been hurt, I know that they will feel something and I hope that it's hope. I hope that it's encouragement. I hope that it's just recognition that we know you're out there and you've been hurt and you need to heal and that's a process. Because healing doesn't happen overnight. Rarely. I don't even know anyone who's had instantaneous, I'm all good. You know, did the forgiveness part, I'm healthy. I don't. It's a process. And so I don't want people discouraged. I encourage you to pursue it with all your heart. Well, it sounds like you've had you have a lot of coping mechanisms. Your puppy, for one, that I think yes. a lot of pets are, are support systems. I know I pet my kitty out there and and uh, she she decreases my blood pressure. And that's a a fantastic thing. Now, you mentioned, all right, I wasn't going to delve further when you mentioned it the first time, but you mentioned your your brain injury before. Was it traumatic or was it medical? Was uh, how how did you get into a, uh, you know, several brain injuries? Question. I think by the fourth or fifth one, they they kind of feel like my uh, my heart. I have an arrhythmia and natural born redheads a lot of times have arrhythmias and other issues. And so uh, and I do have proof, by the way, that I was naturally born a redhead. Just in case anyone was wondering, <laughs> but um, the the uh, I guess it's synapses and syncopation things like where the brain and the heart didn't quite. So uh, I would say seven seven of those were from the top of stairs. So I've gone down seven flights of stairs the wrong way, not by choice, but by blackouts over a period of twenty years. And then the others were kind of ancillary, as in. Uh, Because I had vertigo from one of the head injuries, you know, I fell off a chair or something like that. So my balance and coordination is not as great. I also have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. So all the years that I was physically 
beaten or told I was stupid and uncoordinated, there really was uh, an organic issue for my weak joints and didn't know that till about eight years ago when a doctor finally diagnosed it. So there were a lot of things that were underlying. And actually, Dan, a friend of mine in Australia who's got like two PhDs and a lot of other letters <laughs> behind her name um, and a survivor herself, she just identified that there are at least 72 different cancers that are directly related to people that have had childhood sexual abuse of any kind. And also a ton of other um, ailments like thyroid disease, autoimmune, chronic fatigue, stuff that goes unnoticed because somebody goes to the doctor, they probably don't ask a lot of questions or they don't think about saying, by the way, this happened to me. People like I was written off so many times until I had two silent heart attacks. Okay. And then, well, you don't look like you're sick. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) And women have heart attacks differently than men. So all of that, if you don't know, it's been a battle for health and battle for some of our kids' health over the years because the migraines or whatever was going on, they didn't want to connect the dots that maybe this was trauma-based, uh, and that's a whole different ballgame. So it is very difficult, and, and no disservice to medical people. I'm just saying that uh, these days there's not a lot of time and, and spent on, let's see why this person has had six falls or gone down six flights of stairs the wrong way or whatever it is. And how can we help them? So my heart just has a very erratic heartbeat and there's no way to really control it. Let's put it that way. Andy Berger, I I worked in a ER in the hospital in Miami and my goodness, uh, some, all right. For the most part, when I was working in triage, when I was working out in the, the, the main part of the ER and purple, people would f- first come in. The, the, we would ask them several questions and most of the time they diagnose themselves. So it, it, you know, medicine as good as we, as we think we are, as far as we've come, a lot of time it is a guessing game. Uh, there was one uh, physician that was brand new right out of college and he would go into the room with his physician desk reference uh, while he was questioning the uh, the patient. I don't know how comfortable it made that patient, but I thought it was very endearing. He was trying. At least he was trying to figure out the the problem. So, Absolutely. yes, big ups to the medical uh, profession. I gave that up a long time ago, too. I guess I'm a 20-year recovering uh, EMT uh, paramedic <laughs> <laughs> from from the emergency room and I also worked as a, well, a firefighter back then no I appreciate that no but um you're making me think of things of how strong a human can be you know going through all that you went through yes you you made it out with a lot of help and I'm glad you found that help my uh my best friend in the whole world John Canada he's a foster parent in fact he had it he, he was fostering children and fostering children and the last two children he's got, he adopted them and, and now they're his kids and, and he's raised them and they're beautiful young women. So, uh, you know, they've, they've come through whatever hardships they had. And I, I got to give big ups to the foster parents as well. Now you have the shelter. Do you help them? Uh, do, the, do you help those children? And, and I'm guessing that the, the voices against trafficking.com mostly it's working with children. Are there any adults? We'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, do you help the, the children to find uh, better situations? Service available. I mean, we're all volunteer driven, just like we were with the shelter. Uh, we reintegrated the kids into community. So our focus was like the 17, 18 to 20 year olds, because once a, a, a young person becomes 18, technically they're legally an adult, right? But I think most of us know that they're not necessarily prepared to be an adult. And if they're coming out of a traffic or an abusive or some kind of situation, they have even more going against them because their behavior, their communication skills, all of that is so critical. They don't have intercession or someone to help, then it's very difficult. They'll either become part of a criminal system or, uh, you know, a homeless system uh, situation, or they may just float through life or they can become angry and take things out. If they have help or intercession, maybe by someone like your friend who, you know, a huge heart to to foster kids, kudos to that, uh, then they have a chance to have a new normal, to have a future and a hope. So 
we 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 ministered in this area to 300 plus uh, at-risk homeless teens, but we've changed generations because now they have a life that can go past what happened to them. But like you said, I, I think that um, it's a very difficult situation because people seem to think, oh, well, once they're rescued, everything's okay. And it's like, not really. They need not just work skills and food and the essential things to stabilize. How do they operate emotionally? I escaped date rape in college, truly by the grace of God, because I thought, oh, he loves my writing on the newspaper, right? And we're going to have a steak and he's going to have a beer and, and there's no place to go. So I guess we'll have to go up to my room, right? And sit and eat because that's the way the dorm was. Guess who would have been, if that had gone through and I had been date raped, I would have been just as culpable in the eyes of the college or anywhere else because, well, you invited him up, but emotionally, Andy didn't even have any dating experience, really. So, so again, we have things that we live with our whole life. Uh, the victim always has a life sentence. So that's one thing to kind of remember with that. Well, I know that you're, you're helping to uh, uh, Humpty Dumpty put the pieces of these broken people yeah. back together again, but maybe not by 18, not by 21. Maybe they're not completely jigsaw puzzled. Uh, the, the last pieces haven't been fit in, and you're going to spit them back into the, into the world, in the community as broken people and, and hurt people, hurt people. I've heard that one before. Uh, you know, yeah. but uh, Oregon, I mean, uh, it's, um, I've never been as far north as Oregon. My brother, we, we all grew up in South Florida. My brother's in Walla Walla, Washington. And, uh, wow. you know, I, I guess that's, uh, an interesting place. I mean, tell me about, um, the surrounding area of, of Oregon. Are there a lot of resources, uh, in, in Oregon that you've found that, I mean, because yes, you can act globally and think locally and all that kind of thing. I guess it's act locally and think globally. Uh, we can only go. We can only go so far using our resources. So primarily, you're in 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 the Oregon area helping those people out. Uh, where is the facility? Is there a facility? And um, should you even say the address? Uh, I I guess it's all it's all on the website. If you're having problems, well, get to the website. What's your advice if someone's having a problem and the and nine one one didn't help? Right. We do hear that from time to time. And again, that's why the hotlines that are national hotlines, they can locate resources that work that are maybe perhaps better suited. We've had people say, well, the local law enforcement isn't concerned or maybe they haven't been trained or whatever. Well, okay, then let's go up. So quick example, we had a situation where one of our members was on a an airplane in, in Atlanta, Georgia. She had to go somewhere, had to get on another plane, but she noticed a gentleman maybe in his 40s, early 40s, with a, a, a small baby, maybe three, four, five months years old, all covered up with a blanket, no diaper bag, no, no obvious signs that uh, he had any knowledge of how to take care of this baby who was crying. So she thought it was kind of odd and the way he was acting. So she kind of faked, oh, I'm going to take a selfie, right? And she managed to get him and the baby, not the faces necessarily, but as close as she could. And she watched what plane he was getting on and the flight members. So when she got on the plane, she told the flight attendant who they should all be trained uh, in human traffic, anti-trafficking and how to spot trafficking on the airlines, what she saw. And when they got uh, when she got off her plane, that flight agent uh, had also contacted TSA. So they got involved. And the short of it is within four hours, she had called me. I had called one of our members in D.C. And by four hours later, we had a case opened with Homeland Security. So that's kind of voices against trafficking. We Case by case, it could be adults or kids. We do what we can. We've uh, relocated some survivors in different states uh, in Oregon. We have several that we have located here. But to your point, um, yes, we are established in Redmond, Oregon, but we no longer have that shelter that we had hoped to continue with because uh, at that time, our government leader, our governor leadership, whatever you want to say that, and state leadership, they weren't as interested in keeping youth centers open, which was very unfortunate. So a lot of nonprofits suffered during the pandemic time. But, you know, again, that door closed and we opened another door with Voices Against Trafficking five years ago on Capitol Hill in 2019. And we stood up when we said, we all need to work collectively as one 
united voice against human trafficking in all these different areas. We had people from Mexico. We had members of Congress from both sides at that event. And we kicked off voices against trafficking, not really knowing exactly how far it would go, but it took off very quickly. So we're like a, um, we're like the hub of a wheel, Dan. So think of voices as the hub where we kind of are the center. Every spoke is you, it's me, it's a, it's another corporation, another nonprofit. It could be a legislator. It could be a social group entity are all the spokes. And the more spokes we have, the stronger the wheel, the stronger the wheel, the further we can go. So we started our own human rights movement. We just weren't able to march on Washington at the time. <laughs> so with Voices Against Trafficking, then yes, we are all about public awareness, prevention. Prevention is the way to end human trafficking, or at least to turn the tide in favor of the victims and survivors and against the predators. And we do have laws, but they have to be enforced, Dan. If we're not enforcing the laws that are already on the books, uh, Arizona did a great thing a couple of years ago. I give them huge props because they actually passed legislation that said if you are found, if you are arrested, found guilty, all of that convicted of even one act of human trafficking, one person, one act, um, or a, a specific kind of assault against children, you will be incarcerated for life. No cherries, no early release, no parole, nothing. You are done. Okay. That is a great thing to do. And I know people say, what about the overcrowding of jails? Well, do you want this person running around your neighborhood? Because in the U.S. alone, every 40 seconds, a child is abducted or taken, okay, through uh, maybe it's a 13-year-old looking for a summer job, answers an ad, whether it's lawn mowing, babysitting. Do you know who that person is? Do you know if the brother or sister of that person is home? So, again, they're lured into something. So, every 40 seconds, a child 18 years or under is abducted in this country. By the time this interview is over, I don't do math in public, but somebody out there who can figure out the math, it's a lot of kids. We have to stop. Otherwise, America is going to be known for, oh, yeah, that's the country that sells their children. That's a country that lets anything happen as long as, you know, there's a good uh, payment involved. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It, it does get political from time to time. And, um, you know, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, we're all people. We need to take care of each other. That's right. Uh, you know, we, you know, people first. And, and you know, and don't get me started about the, the prison system and the rehabilitation and uh, people getting, oh, getting help there. No, they get more abused. Oh, my goodness. But um, that's a story for another time. I know I've taken a lot of time. There's uh, m more than, uh, well, according to your math, more than 60 kids have been taken and trafficked yep. by this time. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to think about, but we have to think about. We have to think about our, our fellow man and woman and, I guess, other uh, now. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. In and, you know, if somebody's not sure what to do, yeah. uh, you know, we are a 501c3. Send $5, send whatever you can, because that's going to help us rescue more kids, rescue more adults. It's going to help us reinforce that it's not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And it should always be wrong to deny a human being their rights, especially in this particular area. Well put. And I'm so grateful to you for being part of the solution, Dan. I really appreciate you for putting this message out there because it's so important to have podcasters and media members involved in the solution. That's if we're all talking about it. Somebody will do something at some point. Well put. Now I, I want to thank the, uh, well, the big records, I guess, Cindy Nene, Nene, man, I always get her, her last name wrong. I know you're listening, Cindy, and I'm glad that you put <laughs> us together. Uh, you know, it's, I want you to give shout outs to people that have helped you along the way. Uh, give those, those phone numbers out. Uh, any, any other ways that people can contact you uh, directly? Uh, business only, okay? Don't slide into her DMs. She's a married lady, and she doesn't. She's not looking for anything. All right, buddy. She's a pretty redhead, but she's not looking for anything. Okay, no, but uh, give some shout outs to people that have helped you along the way. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Uh, the Honorable Blanquita Cullum, we, uh, BQ to her friends, she has been phenomenal in helping getting the Congress people. She was able to get us on Capitol Hill. She's just amazing in everything she said. She's president, co-founder of Voices Against Trafficking. Uh, Cassandra Tyndall, who is our publisher, who donates most all of her, her design and efforts to the magazine. Without her, I would not have started that. I would 
not have been able to get it off the ground. And then our two producers on the CD, of course, Will Mosley and Paul Linney, uh, and their team of people bringing all of these artists together so that we can have this amazing fundraiser. And there are just so many more people. Um, Chris Meek is one of our uh, media members, Next Steps Forward. He has an amazing story. He's doing amazing things with Soldier Strong, and he has been one of our bi biggest benefactors. Uh, in fact, without him, that wonderful website that you saw, uh, which is brand new for us, wouldn't be done. And God bless Jake, the webmaster, because I'm sure <laughs> I have been high maintenance because I'm not techno. But but yes, everyone who's donated, said a prayer, you know, helped a kid through our organization. We are so grateful to you because those are all things that keep us going. And you know, we get tired, we're all volunteers, but yet, you know, 14 years of the shelter allowed us to change all of those generations. We had a 92% success rate, Dan, on less than 100,000 a year of getting those kids successfully integrated and stable into communities of their choice. So if we could do it on that little with, with no real help, then anyone can do it. We can do it all around the country. We just need people committed to step up and say, I want to help. What can I do? I want to give kudos to the, uh, the webmaster of VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com as well. It's a very well laid out. There's a lot of information, but it's not overwhelming. It's really easy to navigate. So, yeah, kudos to him. Uh, I don't want to, I know I've taken a lot of your time. I don't want this to be the last time that we talk. If you have other uh, things to promote, if you have other events that, that need uh, talking about, come on back anytime. But I do finish these things off with uh, last words for the people. Uh, are there any avenues that you want to explore uh, before we go? Well, I just want to say again, if someone out there has been hurt, uh, your pain is real. And I want you to know that you are not alone. There's so many walking wounded in this country for so many different reasons, but that does not have to be your life. What happened in your life was real, but that, that does not have to identify your, your today, your future, because today is really all we have. So we do the very best we can with today. And even if you can look in the mirror and say, look, I may not be perfect, but I'm okay today. And that's better than not being okay. So I want to encourage you that you can do this. You can find healing, you can find help, and you can find hope. And reach out to VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get your emails and we'll do the very best we can to answer every one of them. But I want you to know that there is help out there for you. Well, there you have it, party people. What a nice lady. You know, you're supposed to be taking care of people. And she's taking care of people. She's taking the hurt, the pain that she went through her whole life and turning it into some good. The Voices Against Trafficking.com. Voices Against Trafficking.com. If you have the means, donate. Because uh, as you can see, the government resources, they're hit and miss. Sometimes they have money for you. Sometimes they don't. It takes the private sector. It takes somebody who's, um, who's take, who's, 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 um, Got in great gains, okay? Once you get to a certain level, once you get enough money for yourself and your family, you can give a little bit. You can give a little bit back. You know, you have the resources. Give back, okay? There's some people that are struggling. I don't expect that. I don't expect anything. Uh, the best thing you could do is to share. Maybe go to the website and share it on your social media. That's free. That's pretty much free. Social media and uh, anybody that's having problems, anybody you suspect, might be getting abused, point them in that direction. If 911's not helping, hey, they're bogged down too, all right? Uh, I know this, the old song was 911 is a joke. It's not. It's not. There's people working really hard at the other end of that 911 call. Sometimes they're overworked. Sometimes they're taxed. Sometimes they don't have the, the means or the, the skill or the education to help in that respect, okay? And they're going to uh, they're gonna do the first uh, the first thing they're going to do with that kid is send them right back to their parents. And maybe their parents, maybe their home life is not the the best situation. Okay. Maybe it is. Maybe it is a great situation. Maybe the kid's all wrong. Maybe the kid is uh, uh, wrong, but I, I like to, it'd be good to get somebody in there who can, who's impartial that can mediate and maybe the voices against trafficking can help to point in that direction, uh, help to point that child, those parents, in the right direction, maybe the law enforcement in the right direction, because uh, sometimes you throw your hands in the air and you say, oh, my gosh, nobody's going to help me. I'm getting abused. 
Nobody's going to help me. Uh, maybe I'll throw myself in front of a in front of a car. Don't do it. Don't do it. You are an important person. You are so valuable. Uh, you know you can do so much. So don't let um, the the fact that you're getting abused mean that's the end. I mean, Andy Berger is. Thank you. You're living proof that you can come out on the other end. And I can tell you're still working through things. You still ha- it's it's an, a never ending battle. But in that part of your therapy, I think you've made. Helping other people, part of your therapy, Andy Berger. That's what I came away with, that you helping other people means that a little piece of what happened to you gets washed away, gets uh, forgotten about. And I know as we get older, we got less less problems to worry about because we know that things don't matter as much. Whatever happened, it happened, okay? You work through it, and you help others work through it. If you have the, the means, the, the opportunity Take care of yourself, take care of your family, and take care of the people around you and in concentric circles by, by the resources that you have. Fantastic conversation, Andy Burgers. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, the What Makes You Famous podcast. Andy Berger, Voices Against Trafficking, VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. Check out the book. I'm looking forward to the audio version because, you know, I don't read that much anymore. I need to read. A, a lot more. Take some time out to read. Maybe, I don't know, get on a treadmill and read. I, can I do that? No. Audio. Audio book. I, I look forward to uh, hearing the audio version of your book and, and hearing your story. And the magazine. Hey, put that on your coffee table. And the and the music. Hey, while you're reading your magazine, you can listen to the music that's being provided by the Voices Against Trafficking. So, I mean, uh, hey, I know it's it, it's some subject matter that was broached that was a little... A little harsher, a little darker than usual, but I'm glad we we talked about it, you know, because you got to talk about it. You can't just leave people on the wayside and uh, and and pretend that they uh, th- th- that they're not there. I know I see people on the on the highway begging for money, and I know that's that, that's not the same thing. I know I didn't even breach whether there was a lot of adults. It it looks like you're Andy Berger. You're primarily dealing with the kids, and hey, they. They can't speak out for themselves for the most part. And a lot of times kids are ignored. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I don't think I was ignored all that much, but well, what do I know? I was a kid. <laughs> all right. That's it for this edition of what makes you famous. Uh, now, if you, yes, you would like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call 501-470-6386 or email keysdan at AOL.com. That's it for me. It's keysdanradiowhat.com djlittlerock.com peace i'm out of here radio what the music you want hey guys this is shelly g with a fast fact dvds are the same diameter and thickness as a cd but a dvd can store 13 times or more data do you have a fast fact share it with us at interactive radio radio what.com follow keys dan on facebook and twitter Click on the links at the top of keysdan.com. Follow Radio What on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of radiowhat.com. The music you want is on. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at makes famous and follow on youtube at keys dan leave what makes you famous podcast a review and subscribe listen to what makes you famous podcast on podbean itunes youtube stitcher google podcast and spotify and almost anywhere you find podcasts tell your story on my podcast what makes you famous Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan. What Makes You Famous podcast is a production of Keysdan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>